Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. My name is Frank. Welcome to Connect Church Online. We're just so glad that you're with us today. Again, the heart of our church is to connect to Jesus and community. And so we just encourage you, again, if you haven't yet, click the link, connect with us. We would love to get to know you and that you're watching and help get you connected to community here at our church. Advent is here. We're preparing for the birth of our Savior. Again, we know that Advent is the period of waiting uh, where we await the birth of our Savior. And so this series, we're taking a look at the gifts that the wise men brought Jesus and taking a look at how uh, they kind of foreshadow who Jesus was going to be. Now, we often think of the manger scene that we see at Grandma's house, um, where it has the three wise men in long robes, Jesus in the middle in a manger, Mary, Joseph, then some shepherds, angels, um, and usually Jesus has some type of like weird light underneath of him or behind him to light him up so everyone looks there. Um, <clears throat> but we know this most likely was not how the scene looked um, when um, the, the wise men met Jesus. We know that he was probably a toddler. We also know that there were probably more than three wise men. Um, I think we just did that because each gets a gift and it's easier that way. Uh, but by the time the wise men got there, Jesus was most likely a year to 18 months old. <clears throat> and again, that's fascinating. Why? Um, because it's a much different picture. Uh, everyone likes to tell people how to parent their kids until you have one, especially like a toddler. Uh, and then, you know, you give them a phone, you give them something to quiet down, and everyone kind of looks at them like, how could you do that? Why would you do that? And then you get there and you realize it's because you want your kid to be calm. <laughs> and so trying to give Jesus these gifts at that time was probably an interesting scene. Um, but we know that the passage comes from Matthew 2, and so we're going to read that real quick and then get into the message today. So, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, these are weird gifts to us. Frankincense and myrrh are not really anything that we typically give to each other today. Gold? No, that's a different story. Gold is timeless. Everyone would want that. But these are symbolic and important gifts speaking to who Jesus would be. Next week, we're going to talk about how gold is important because it points to the kingship of Jesus. Last week, we took a look at frankincense and how Jesus is our high priest. You can head back on our YouTube channel and watch it there. Today, we're talking about myrrh. Now, myrrh, it's a fascinating word, um, <clears throat> and even in, in saying that, I can't help but think of the impractical joker, and so every time I say myrrh, that's what I think of, but myrrh, again, sounds like a weird gift. Everybody gets some weird gifts along the way. Um, when you're a kid, any kind of clothes is weird. You don't want them, but for me, uh, I think the, <laughs> the weirdest gift that I ever got was one year. Um, I'm playing in the yard. It's around Christmas time, and I'm running around doing, <laughs> being crazy, and all of a sudden, this car I've never seen pulls up the driveway, and as it goes by me, you, I just see this giant head with two long ears. <clears throat> Now it kind of perks my interest again because no idea who this person is. And so I kind of run to catch up right as the guy driving the car gets out, opens the back door of this white Chevy sedan and out jumps a donkey. 
Um, I, I still can't believe he had a donkey in his car. And then two, that that donkey was ours. Um, and he's still with us today. In case you're curious, he's a little older. He takes his Metamucil and he's slightly grumpy, but that was probably the weirdest gift that I had ever gotten. What is a gift that's memorable to you today watching? Um, when you were a kid, what is it that stands out to you maybe as a weird gift? But myrrh is a valuable gum-like substance. Um, it's actually used 17 times in the Bible. It's used as an antiseptic. And when it's mixed with wine, um, it actually becomes even more powerful. We actually see Jesus is offered wine and myrrh on the cross. Um, but it's, it's also an ingredient used to embalm the dead. And so the crazy thing about them giving him myrrh is that this would be used to embalm him when he after he dies on the cross. It represents the fact that Jesus dies for us, that he would be the suffering servant or the Lamb of God to die in our place for our sins. And so today we're going to take a look at that idea of myrrh, Jesus our suffering servant. Before we get to Isaiah 53, just something fascinating about this passage. I really like football. Um, I used to like it a lot more well, before the Giants decided that they didn't know how to win games anymore. But imagine if I had the power to predict who would win the Super Bowl. And not only who would win, but who would win and the score perfectly correct. First of all, Vegas would want to talk to me because they wouldn't want me telling anybody because it would hurt their odds. But now imagine if I did it for a Super Bowl 700 years in advance. If this video exists 700 years from now, this day, um, it would be like me saying the score of the Super Bowl. Hopefully at that point, Tom Brady still isn't playing. But Isaiah does this exact thing in the passage that we read today. He prophesies exactly what Jesus was going to do and what he would endure 700 years before it happened. And that's crazy. That's one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that we see things way, way 700 years in advance come true because God spoke in Isaiah 53, we see Jesus, the suffering servant. We're going to start by reading verse 6. It says this, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Now here, we are compared to sheep. And let me say that's not a compliment. Um, being compared to sheep is not good. They are not the brightest crayons in the box. You can train a lot of animals. You can't train sheep. Um, I had sheep when I was little. Again, sorry for all the animal things today. I grew up on a farm, so you get to see a bit of that today. But they make the same mistake every day. Later on in, in, in their lives, they had trouble seeing. And, and you would think at some point they would learn like how to maneuver the barnyard, and they didn't. They just continued to run into things over and over again. Now sheep, they're weak, they're witless, and they are wayward. They're weak because they can't defend themselves. That's the importance of the shepherd, that he would protect them and he would fight off the, the lions and the bears and the things. Um, They're not able to physically fight back. They're witless. They don't think for themselves. They follow oftentimes the sheep in front of them. In the 2000s, there's this crazy story where 1,500 dumb sheep all followed each other 
off of the cliff. Now here's the good news, kind of, only 400 died because after the first 400, the rest of them landed on them and had some cushion, um, some positive in that. But here's the thing, they just don't think. They follow the person in front of them. And if we're honest, that's how we are as people a lot of the times. We just follow people we wanna fit in. Sheep also wander. Without being led, sheep just are, are roaming. And if we're honest, again, that's us. We tend to wander from God's path and we choose our own. That's why we're compared to sheep. Yet we read the Lord laid on him the sins of the world. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And so that is where we begin to see this idea of suffering servant. Jesus was led to his death so that he would suffer, that he would pay the price so that we could be forgiven. Isaiah 53, a little earlier, verses 3 to 5, say this. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole and he was whipped so we could be healed. This is what Jesus would do for us. And this is why this idea of suffering servant matters because first he serves us by giving up his life, but he suffered. What does this baby being born in a manger have to do with me today? It's his suffering. Why should I follow Jesus? Because of his suffering. You, and when we understand his suffering, we won't casually follow him. We won't just toss out a prayer before we eat, and we won't just go to church sometimes when we begin to grasp and understand the depth of his love because of his suffering for us. And let's be honest, it's easy to forget this. Because if this was at the forefront of our minds, we wouldn't go through the waves of, of wanting to follow God and not of being in and being out when we truly understand the price that he paid. It changes everything. My response when I understand is to wholly follow him with everything that I have in me. And so today I'm gonna to try and explain a little bit of his suffering. I can't do it justice. I encourage you read the gospels, you'll see it in there. But it started in the garden of Gethsemane. He's all alone because his closest friends, his disciples slept. Instead of joining him in prayer, they slept. And as he prayed, he asked, God, would you remove this cup from me? And, and the burden that's inside of him as he prays this to the point where he has a medical condition where his blood vessels burst and he literally sweats blood. His soul is completely overwhelmed. God, is there another way? Yet not my will, yours be done. Then one of his followers who would betray him, Judas, comes and greets him with a kiss. And as he does that, the, the Roman guards who are coming know that because Judas kisses him, that that's Jesus, the man that they were going to arrest. And then they falsely accuse him. They unjustly convict him and they sentence him to death. They would humiliate him, mock him, beat him. They whipped him. They buried thorns, giant thorns deep into his head. He was so disfigured that people couldn't even recognize who it was. He was weak. He suffered. 
And when he was struggling to even stand, they gave him a huge wooden cross and made him carry it over 600 yards. There he would be crucified. Seven-inch nails would be driven into his wrists and into his feet. The only way that he could breathe on the cross was to pull himself up with the nails in his wrists and his hands to be able to get a breath. He is exposed while he's mocked by the people that he created. The innocent one who never sinned bore our sin. So much so, there was, the weight of sin was so heavy on him that God, his father, pulls away. The intimate relationship with his father is broken for the first time. He suffered broken relationship and also physically. Here he is offered wine mixed with myrrh and he says no. And right after that he says it is finished. And he gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. And Isaiah 700 years earlier declared what this man would endure for us. Again, in verses 8 to 9 and 11, we read, Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of all my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. What sets Christianity apart? The death of an innocent victim. The death of someone who didn't deserve it. But he chose to suffer and to serve us so that we could be made right with God. And this goes all the way back to the Passover in the beginning of the Old Testament. If there's a story where, where the angel of death was coming over and they would put blood on the door and it would protect their family from death. Uh, and in this event, we see the cross foreshadowed. How the Lamb of God would shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins so that we could be right with God. God becomes flesh and is pierced for our rebellion. He's crushed for our sins. He's beaten so that we could be whole. The wise men, they offered him myrrh. Again, it's foreshadowing the Lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of the world. And Jesus even spoke this about himself. In Luke 9, we read, The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And that's the good news of the story. His death and his resurrection is why he's seated at the right hand of God. And we exalt him above any other name. And that's why this season of Advent, of Christmas, it isn't a hobby. It isn't something to make us feel good. It's not just a reason to get gifts, but it's something that should overwhelm and overtake our hearts and our lives. He did this for you and he did this for me. He came for our sin. He sent magi to prophetically proclaim that he would be our suffering servant, that he was born to die in our place. The suffering servant is sent on a mission from God. The mission involves suffering for the sake of someone else. 
And although the suffering servant would be rejected and he would be in pain and he would suffer immensely, he is exalted. It's why we tell the story of Christmas. It's why we celebrate Easter. It's why these moments now are looked at with joy because of Jesus. His suffering brings justice, salvation, and blessing to all nations. It's because of his death and his resurrection that today we can be excited in the season of waiting. Why? Because on the other side of it, we know there's hope. And so today as we close, uh, if you are watching this and maybe you've never decided to, to follow and, and to trust Jesus before, today I just want to make space for that. In the gift, in the season of giving gifts, the greatest gift was sent our way in God's Son when He came into the world, when He gave up His right as God, when He suffered for us and He died and He rose again. Again, He was born to suffer and to die in our place. And when we come to know and comprehend the love of God, it changes everything. You may be disappointed in the love that you've received in your life to this point. And, and let me just pause and say, Christmas can be a very difficult time. For some of us, it's incredibly painful because it reminds us of relationships broken, of people who aren't around anymore. And we begin to look at the love that we receive here and we begin to think that that's it. That's how love is. And today I want to speak to you and say that's not how the love of God is. He was willing to suffer and go through immense pain. Why? So that you could know him. That's how great his love is for you. And in Jesus, the fullness of God's love is revealed. He saw that we were far from him and he came and he suffered so that we could be close. It's his love alone that transforms us. It's God's love that makes us like him and empowers us to change. And it's in that we discover what it really means to be a child of God brought into his family. God is love. And we know that because Jesus came into the world as the suffering servant. We know that because he came and he let himself be beat, betrayed, forgotten, overlooked, misunderstood. His humility in that was so that we could come to know the love of God. And because he did this, we get to follow him. We don't follow him to be a better person, to have something to do, to, to go to church on Sundays, to behave better, but because of Jesus. And the fact that this baby who would be born and is given a gift of myrrh that signifies that one day he would die in our place and he would suffer. Today, if you want to make the decision to follow Jesus and, and you're maybe for the first time beginning to get a glimpse of the love that God has for you, there's a link that says, I decided to follow Jesus. Click that, fill it out, let us know. We would love to connect with you. We would love to help you understand more and to, and to help you understand the love of God even more in your life. For those of you who may be watching and do follow Jesus, just two quick thoughts for you. The first one, we get so caught up in the demands of life and we often forget to say thank you. This season is so busy. Gifts to buy, overtime to work so that you can pay for the gifts, decorating, uh, baking, whatever it is that right now you may feel overwhelmed by everything going on in your life. Pause and thank God 
and thank Jesus that he was willing to come and be our suffering servant. Give God the praise that he is due. This is the greatest gift this Advent season. Again, that God would come and he would suffer and die in our place. Again, this may be a painful season for you. And, and, and Christmas can stir up some difficult things in your heart and in your life. But still, right now, practice gratitude. Thanking God puts things back in perspective again. There's something about gratitude that changes my heart, that changes my mind, it changes the way I think. And, and I encourage you, even right now, maybe even pause this video and begin to just write down some things you're grateful for. Now we're coming up to the end of, of 2021, which is crazy. Maybe pause again and write down some of the ways that God has been faithful in your life this year. And as you do that, again, it changes the way we think. Don't forget to say thank you. And the second thing I want to challenge you with is this, be reminded of this. You are on a mission from God. Jesus was on a mission to be the suffering servant, to come and to die in our place. And, and in the garden, we see him wrestling with that. But then we know that he humbly submits to God's plan for him. We are invited into a mission as well. The mission involves suffering on the behalf of each other. And, I, and I'm not, just, let me pause. I'm not saying let people take advantage of you, walk on you, hurt you. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying, the way that you love other people should cost you something. And we are so quick to complain and grumble when it gets messy, when it gets difficult, when people hurt us, we need to pause and we need to realize that there is a cost to the way that we love other people. Why? Because we model our lives after our savior. And if he came and he suffered, then we should put ourselves in a place and in a posture where there is a sacrifice to the way that we love others. Jesus said people will know we follow him by the way that we love each other. And I believe wholeheartedly that when there is sacrifice in the way that we love, man, it changes God or it changes people's hearts, but it also changes our own and it allows God to work through us. This week, who can you sacrificially love? Who can, who can maybe someone that you need to forgive, someone you've forgotten, and it's time to get the relationship right. It's time because in our humility, Jesus is honored. You are never more like Jesus than when you sacrificially love, when you submit to the mission that he calls us to, and when you model your life after him. Today, let's close in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, that you're the God who would come and suffer and die in our place. That's why we have hope. That's why we have forgiveness. It's why we celebrate during the season of Advent because you're the God who came and even though you were innocent, you died. You let people mock you, despise you, beat you, hurt you so that we could have life. Jesus, today we are just so grateful for that. We're humbled by your love for us. God, would that love just be more and more real in our hearts and in our lives? God, would you just speak to us, encourage us? And God, would you just bring to mind people that we can love sacrificially the way that you have loved us? Give us the strength to do that. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.